Good morning. It's good to see you. Welcome. Glad you're here. Welcome to the Forge Community Church. I am Shannon. I get to be the lead pastor here. It is a privilege and honor. A special welcome to any of you who might be first timers. We're glad that you're here today or those joining us online. We're super glad that you're part of today. We are going to be finishing up our series in Exodus. We've, this is the eighth week. Uh, we've been walking through, looking through the book of Exodus, and we're going to start in Exodus 25. Then we're going to jump over to chapter 39, and then we're going to be in chapter 40. So that's kind of where we can start. So 25, 39, and 40. Um, and it's a lot, by the way. <laughs> so we'll, we'll try and get through it. But um, before we even get into the message, I just wanted to say thank you for being people who say yes. Um, last week we said, hey, we've got 91 kids that uh, we are sponsoring this year for our Christmas impact that are part of the Lowndes County Schools and teachers, you know, let us know about them. And most likely they don't have a Christmas unless the church makes that possible. And so, you know, we said, here you go. And as of this morning, all 91 of those have been sponsored. So if you weren't here last week, yes, thank you. You can start to clap. I like this. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> thank you for being people who say yes. Because, and, and uh, what was it, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, Justin and Allison said, hey, we want to serve our college students some Thanksgiving food and asked our community groups, and they were like, yes. And, and so last, last Monday night, yeah, served them some good Thanksgiving delicious food. I'm still wondering if that, if that um, dressing I made was, was good, was it? Okay, just checking. So it could, probably could have baked a little longer, but everyone seems to be fine, so... Um, but just thank you really for being people who say yes, because here's, here's the thing. When someone from the community or an organization or someone contacts me or Justin and they're like, hey, can you guys, do you think the church could? We're able to say yes because we know that you say yes. And I just, I just wanted to tell you that and say thank you for being this kind of a church and being these kind of people who are always willing to do whatever you are able to do to do your part to make a difference for other people because it really does. Um, those backpacks are going to be due back on December 12th, so two weeks from today, and we'll make sure we get them to the right people so that the, the students can get them before they leave on Thanksgiving break. But thank you, thank you. And we have a, um, a little message in there that we're letting them know that they are loved, that Jesus loves them, um, that the church loves them, and um, just thank you. So Exodus 25, um, it begins with God giving Moses some very detailed instructions, as if he already had not, because the commandments had already been, uh, are, are being given, and they've been given, and they had to, you know, do over that happens in the middle of this. Uh, but there are these instructions that are given to Moses, and, and it starts here with God telling Moses, ask the people to give some of the, their valuables like gold and silver and bronze and these precious jewels and animal skins and all of these things. He says, ask for an offering, a sacred offering from the people. And, and this is why he asks this. Uh, verse 8 and 9 of Exodus 25. He says, have the people, this is God talking to Moses, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. Let that settle on you today, because is, this is like the point of it all, that God wants to live 
among us. He wants to be with us. Then it says in uh, verse 9, you must build this tabernacle, important word, we'll find out more about that in a moment. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. And then like the next six chapters, or yeah, from Exodus 25 through 31, it's like all about exactly how to build this tabernacle, how to build this holy place because God wants to come and live among the people. So he wants them to contribute these, these precious things, this offering he makes to them. He wants to be with them. I don't know, uh, I certainly don't pretend to know, um, your specific faith journey story, like where you are and, and what, where, what's going on with you right now. But I will tell you that... For me, I had a big hang-up before I became a believer. In my early 20s, in, in my mid-20s, really, um, I had this, this barrier, this obstacle, and it, it was not that um, I didn't believe in God or I didn't know if he existed or not or any of that stuff. Like, I had, you know, creation in and of itself was like evidence that there is a creator, that there is a God, I mean... So I wasn't wondering if he was there. Maybe you can relate to that. My hang-up, the barrier, the hold-up for me was why in the world would God want to have anything to do with me? I wasn't wondering if he was there. I was wondering why in the world he would want to have anything to do. Why would God want to come and live with me? Why would God want to be involved in my life? And maybe for some of you, you understand that way of thinking. Like you understand that kind of an obstacle, that kind of a barrier that you feel. Like why would God want to have anything to do with me? Or maybe it's not like specifically you, but someone that you know, someone you love, someone you've been praying for, someone you've been talking to, someone you've been going, oh my, please, I want you to see this, I want you to know this, I want you to grab a hold of this, because they might be thinking, they might not have even put the words to it, but it's, it's kind of obvious that they're going, why would God want to have anything to do with me? And so the question I think that is, is worth asking is, is like, if that is an obstacle, if that's an obstacle for you, if that's an obstacle for someone you know, it's like, how, how do we dare approach this God? And the answer simply is we don't. We don't approach him until he approaches us first. We don't approach him until he approaches us first. And, and, and the, the good news, this is the really good news for, for us Right now, for you and me and this side of the story, the very good news is that God has approached us and he's done it in the most intimate, the most powerful way. He's done it through Jesus. God has approached us through Jesus Christ. He makes it possible for us to be in relationship with him because he is holy and we are not apart from him. And God makes it possible. And so what we find in Exodus is that God is providing a way for his people to, for him to approach them and them not just to be like killed dead like right there on the spot. 
He's, he's providing a way. Build this tabernacle. Build this very specific place. Make this place so that I can come and be among you. This is what's going on here in Exodus. God's given the Ten Commandments to show the people, these, this is my holy law. Obey this law. Uh, he we talked about the mountain. Um, he set a boundary around the mountain as he is in, a, in conversation with Moses there's a boundary around the mountain. It's like, do not touch this mountain or you will die. And it shows that barrier. It shows that obstacle between God's holiness and our lack of it. And so we see this. Like, it's clear here in Exodus that it, this is what's going on. And, and so God in his perfect holiness, there's nothing impure about him. He wants to be with his people. So he says, build this tabernacle. Now, the word tabernacle, it can mean tent. You know, so the next time you can go camping, you can be like, hey, let's set up the tabernacle. I don't know if you want, but um, it, it also means sanctuary. So you see it's a little more churchy word there. But I love this definition of tabernacle because it's called, it means a place of dwelling. A place of dwelling. You live there. You dwell there. God wants to tabernacle with us. He wants to dwell amongst us. And although the Israelites, obviously they don't see it in that moment. They don't see this in that time frame. But every part of the tabernacle, and you can read about the extreme detail, every single part of the tabernacle is a foreshadowing of Jesus. It's all a symbol of Jesus. Everything it is. Now, I told you that the tabernacle had all these, these uh, distinct parts. Chapter 25 through 31 are like, this is how, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to build this. And then there's a, some disobedience that goes on right in the middle of that. And then a reset happens. And then in chapter 35 through 40, it describes the Israelites following all those detailed instructions that happen in chapters 25 through 31. And, and I really encourage you to go and read it because it's, it's so involved and it's all about God desiring to be with his people. Now, when you first come into the tabernacle, or to the tabernacle, actually you would, you would go into the courtyard first. The courtyard surrounded the tabernacle. And when you would go there, uh, it, it was very large, this courtyard was. There's a wall around it, so it signified the the separation between just regular camp and, and that you were in the tabernacle area. Um, and anyone, any of the Israelites were allowed in the courtyard area. At the front of the courtyard was a bronze altar. Well, guess how they made that? <laughs> the people. They, they gave these things. They made this offering to the Lord. So they, they gave, and out of that, and there were craftsmen that God provided. I mean, it was just amazing. Go and read this. But there's a bronze altar there, and at that bronze altar is where sacrifice would be made, where the blood would be shed. Talked about that last week, that it was all about the blood, the blood of, of an animal, of a, you know, impure or pure uh, animal that would just, without blemish. And it was sacrificed there, and it was to cover the sins of the, of the people, of the person who made the sacrifice. Um, it was a substitute. And, and what do we know about Jesus? So remember, everything in the tabernacle is it's a foreshadowing of Jesus. And we know what 
what Jesus has done, he's, he's died, he gave of himself, his blood covers our sin. And not only that, but when God looks upon us, it's not just like, oh, I can see a little bit of something, like your sin underneath there of Jesus. No, no, it removes it. Our sin is gone because of Jesus. So he takes our sin away. Near the bronze altar was a basin which held water, and it was there for for cleansing, ceremonial cleansing. I mean, it's not like people were like in there just taking a full-on bath or anything. But, but before the priest, before uh, the sacrifice could be made, you wash in the basin. And it's this, again, a symbol of being pure in approaching God. The priest's clothing, um, chapter 28 of Exodus very detailed about what the priests wore and their outer garments and, and the, thing, the, the things that they used to carry out their ministry. Very, very, very detailed. And it was about them being acceptable before God. Sacrifice, cleansing, even their clothing had to be pure. Now, towards the back of the courtyard was a large room in the... Um, in the tabernacle itself, and it was covered in animal skins, which would have been considered just very, very fancy, super fancy. And, um, and in that was the heart of the tabernacle, and it was called the, the holy place, the holy place. And inside the holy place was a lampstand, a gold lampstand made from what the people had given. Um, and of course, it had uh, oil in it, and it brought light to a dark room because it was covered in animal skins. And again, you see how, what it shows of who Jesus is. Je- Jesus himself said he is the light of the world. We see how it brings light into darkness. There was a table there that had bread on it called the bread of the presence, or there's a couple of different terminologies. But it had 12 loaves of bread there that represented the 12 tribes of Israel, and, and it was there that this, it represented this. And do you know what Jesus called himself? The bread of life. All of this is showing us who Jesus is. There was the altar of incense here at the tabernacle. And the smell of the incense was this, this burning of this um, was a symbol of prayer, of our prayers going before God, of it being a, a sweet fragrance, an aroma before him. Those were our prayers. At the end At the far end of the the holy place was a very thick curtain, very thick curtain that was meant to divide the room between the holy place and now the most holy place or the holy of holies. There was this thick curtain there. And it was meant to separate this and and it was intended to shield even the priest who had gone through all these other steps to shield them because of their sin from a holy God. See, God desires to be with us, right? God desires to be with us. This this thick curtain is that representation of that barrier between us and God because of our sin. And nobody but the high priest could go into the holy of holies, the most holy place. Nobody but the high priest, and they could only do it once a year. Once a year, the Holy of Holies was entered into. And before the high priest could go in there, wash themselves, the special clothing, the incense, not just to represent prayer, but also the smoke from the incense was really to shield the eyes of the priest from looking upon the holiness of God to protect them. The blood 
was brought to make atonement for sins. All of these things. Remember, the tabernacle is foreshadowing of the cross, of Jesus, of what Jesus has come to do because God wants to be with his people. When Jesus died on the cross, it is written in Scripture that that curtain, the one that separated the holy place from the most holy place, the holy of holies that only a priest could go into only once a year and only if they followed all the instructions, that once Jesus died and it is finished and he breathed his last, that curtain was torn in two from top to bottom, bottom, signifying that there was no longer a separation between God and us. Jesus. Inside the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. It held the commandments of God. It held manna, which was the food that God provided while they were in the desert. I want to read you from Exodus 39 beginning in verse 32, just to give you from Scripture, because I just gave you an overview overview in, in my words, but I want you to hear from Scripture all that the people of God had done for the tabernacle in order for God to be with them. Beginning in chapter 39, verse 32. And so at last, the tabernacle was finished. The Israelites had done everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses, And they brought the entire tabernacle to Moses. I find that interesting. You'd think they would have been like, hey, Moses, do you want to come over here and look at the tabernacle? But whatever. They they brought it all to Moses. And this is what the tabernacle was. This is what it involved. The sacred tent with all its furnishings, clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases. So you might think... Oh, we'll do this really fancy stuff with the gold and the silver and the bronze and the jewels that you give, but we're gonna, we'll run to Home Depot for everything else. No, everything was very, very, very specific and detailed and was made in a certain way. So down to the clasps and the posts, the bases that held the posts, they were significant. The tent coverings of tanned ramskins and fine goatskin leather, the inner curtain to shield the ark, the ark of the covenant and its carrying poles. Very important. You did not touch that. The ark's cover, the place of atonement, the table and all its utensils, the bread of the presence, the pure gold lampstand with its symmetrical lamp cups, all its accessories and the olive oil for lighting, the gold altar, the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, the curtain for the entrance of the sacred tent, the bronze altar, the bronze grating and its carrying poles and utensils, the wash basin with its stand, the curtains for the walls of the courtyard, the posts and their bases, the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard, the ropes and the tent pegs, all the furnishings to be used in worship at the tabernacle, the beautifully stitched garments for the priest to wear while ministering in the holy place, the sacred garments for Aaron, the priest, to wear, uh, and the garments for his sons to wear as they minister as priests. Verse 42, so the people of Israel followed all of the Lord's instructions to Moses. Then Moses inspected all their work, and when he found it had been done just as the Lord had commanded him, he blessed them. That had to be one amazing blessing if you were responsible for putting this together. He blessed them. 
So now the tabernacle is complete, but it's not the end. You would think, okay, good, we're done, but that's not the end because there was a purpose for the tabernacle. I've already said it a lot of times. It was made so that the Lord God might dwell among them. He wanted to be among them. And in Exodus chapter 40, two verses I want to read, verse 34 and verse 38. Verse 34 says, then, so this is after everything is done and Moses has blessed it, then the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. There are no adequate words in our language to really describe what that must have been like. For the glory of the Lord to fill the tabernacle. Verse 38, the cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day, and at night fire glowed inside the cloud so the whole family of Israel could see it. This continued throughout all their journeys. Because, by the way, the tabernacle was built to be mobile. (laughs) They moved a lot. God was in their presence, in their midst. He dwelled among them throughout all their journeys. His presence with them. You see, God has always wanted to be with his people. He's always wanted to be with his people. But he is perfectly holy and we're sinful, so there was the separation. And the tabernacle is God's plan. It was his plan then to take away the sin of the world. But that tabernacle that we read about in Exodus was temporary. He gave us a permanent, eternal tabernacle through Jesus. Through Jesus. The the, the one we read about in Exodus was a temporary solution. But Jesus is the permanent solution to bring people back to God so that he can be among them. He provided a way for this to happen. He made a way for this to happen. And so with God instructing Moses to build the tabernacle, it totally foreshadows God's loving, compassionate desire to dwell among us. Remember, the word dwell and tabernacle are the same. And John chapter 1 verse 14 tells us this about Jesus. That the word became flesh. And what did he do? He made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. That same glory that filled the tabernacle upon completion of all the detailed instructions. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. He wants to be with us. He wants to be with us. So in Jesus, we have the greater tabernacle, one made without human hands. And the fullness of God dwells. I really don't think we can read about the tabernacle and we can't fully comprehend its significance without seeing it in the shadow of the cross. 
Because when you, when you think about Jesus and the cross, and then you read about the tabernacle in Exodus, you go, oh, okay. Today is the beginning of Advent. Advent is the season that leads up to Christmas. And it's this time of, of anticipation and expectation. And, and we remember that, that Christ came, that he, he was here. He was born in the flesh, as, as John just told us. But Advent's not just about the celebration of, of Jesus coming as a baby, but as Christians, as believers, it's the understanding and the expectation and the anticipation that he will come again in glory. And as we finish this series in Exodus, what we find is that God's holy presence and his desire to be with us is apparent in Exodus. And this is exactly where we begin in this season of Advent, of understanding that God desires to be with us. And so for, for the ones who think, God doesn't want to have anything to do with me. Why would God want to have anything to do with me? The truth of the matter, seen partially in Exodus, but seen fully based on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, is that God wants everything to do with you. God wants everything to do with you. And he has come to dwell amongst us through Jesus Christ. And that is beautiful. And it's humbling. And it's convicting. It's good news. It's good news if you, if you embrace that the barrier has been broken because of what Jesus has done. It's good news if you are wondering... God wants to have anything to do with you. It's good news if you think you've gone too far. You've done too much this time around. God wants to dwell in our midst. All that we find God doing in Exodus is, is this foreshadowing of what he does through Jesus. I want to pray for us, and then I want to show you a, a short video that explains Advent a little bit more, and then we're going to continue in worship. God, thank you. Thank you for what you did in Exodus for your people. Thank you for how you revealed yourself um, to them. Lord, I, I can't comprehend, I, I cannot really, my, my mind cannot fully comprehend what it must have been like for your glory after all was completed and the blessing was done and, and it meant that for your glory to just fill that tabernacle. It had to be the most powerful, the mo I mean, holy, amazing moment. But even so, even greater, you sent Jesus to dwell among us in your glory. God, and if, if, if we call you Father today, if we, if we call ourselves Christians and followers of you, I pray that we would, we would repent, we would confess any sin that needs to be confessed, we would, we would reconcile where 
where reconciliation can happen because you are holy and you have come to dwell among us and we want to be able to stand in your presence and say thank you. And for those who wonder if, if you want anything to do with them, I just pray this morning that they would hear, yes, you do. And it's all through your son, Jesus Christ, we pray these things.